vexes some boring subjects. Understand the risk to our country. Freedom brings people together. You're listening to the We Are Libertarians Network. Learn more at wearelibertarians.com. Hey, welcome to the program today. My name is Chris Spengel. We are talking about the National Libertarian Day of Service. I found out about that this week and wanted to promote it. And uh, we have Elliot Sherman on to talk about it, as well as Tricia Stewart-Mann. And Reinhold is here and haven't heard from Harry at all, but I imagine he'll be along after a while. But anyways, we'll be right back after this break. Warning. This show is for adults by semi-adults. So the language is sometimes strong and offensive. Uh, I don't know what I said. Uh. Welcome to the Chris Spangle Show. Our goal is to help you sound smarter while talking to your friends. If you struggle to understand politics, we explain it from an independent libertarian point of view. With all of the irreverence it deserves, we toss out the screaming heads, put people before political parties, and give context to the news to make you think. Now, here's our host, Chris Spangle, a 15-year veteran of politics and media. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Chris Spangle Show on the We Are Libertarians podcast network. It is so great to be with you today. We are glad that you have uh, joined us. We are back live streaming on YouTube, so... uh, Let's see how long that lasts. Uh, and we should also point out, go check out the YouTube channel. Brian Nichols is now doing video on the Brian Nichols Show. We have been putting the network shows uh, in the Chris Spangle Show feed for the last couple weeks, just so you can check them out and see uh, how great all the different shows on the network are. Not just the Chris Spangle Show. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see Mittens joining in the background. Uh, she is just saying hello. Hi, buddy. All right. Uh, You can check out all the shows on the We Are Libertarians podcast network at wearelibertarians.com, including the brand new podcast that is about to debut here in the next few months publicly. But for wall patrons, the history of modern politics with Matt Whitliffe and I will debut here in the next couple of weeks. And it is the goal is basically to give you a full background in history on the development of modern political thought in America. It's going to be a, it's a, up to six seasons now in our outline. It's going to take the same rigorous research we put towards politics on this program and apply that to history and eventually get to modern day. What's the background of the immigration debate? What's the background of the gun debate? What is the total worldview that we are talking about here in America? And you will hear that if you are a patron. So joinwallplus.com is how you can listen at the $10 level. If you are a patron, make sure you check that out. And if you just want to subscribe now and be notified when it's public because you're cheap, then you can go to historyofmodernpolitics.com, sign up for the email, and there's also a free podcast feed called History of Modern Politics, with a couple of episodes in there, a couple of former bonus episodes. And Matt and I recorded uh, the episode double zero today, and uh, that'll be in your feed soon. So go check that out as we talk a little bit about that. We've also got Enemy of My Enemy, the new podcast with Hody that you've been hearing in the feed. It will get its own feed very soon. I've just been setting up uh, the History of Modern Politics. Um, But you should also check out Gingerarchy which is one of my favorite shows on the entire internet. Trisha Stewart-Mann is one of the funniest people, the sweetest people on the planet. And uh, she has a podcast called Gingerarchy. And Trisha, our stereos are always hilarious because there's all kinds of great thought. Like, you can go back and listen to the Fourth Wave Feminism podcast that we did. 
and we have all these like intellectual conversations and then the callers on stereo completely derail it like mr chevy man 47 did a few episodes ago you know what that's what makes it really fun because if we we get too deep and into the weeds on like you know philosophy and that just brings me right back to the fact that i'm just not as smart as i think i am (laughs) (laughs) or sometimes i do those and i'm like i am smart i am smart after talking to some of these yeah yeah no i i was so glad i had jason bassler on recently um on the last episode from police the police about accountability obviously with what's going on right now and i was hoping we would get call-ins and we didn't and then i was kind of glad we didn't because like he's a really you know educated person on it and I would really hate for somebody to just come on and fart. And <laughs> we literally had a guy that just called. Uh, gets those the stereos are so much fun. So go check out those episodes in Ginger Arky and subscribe to her show now. Uh, she is our our token anarchist here on the network, along with Harry Reinhold. How are you today? I'm doing well. It's a kind of a cloudy day, but I think it's going to be a fun one. So I'm excited and glad to be here. Glad to see you here. Uh, uh, well, I won't uh, violate your HIPAA and talk about what you've been dealing with, but it's been very painful. So we're glad to see you here and in a good mood. Uh, also with us is Elliot Sherman. Uh, Chris Galt is supposed to be here. We have no idea where that slacker is. He may be along soon. Uh, but Elliot, I, I followed you on Twitter for a long time. I know you're from Texas, uh, and I know that you uh, always have a good line or two on Twitter. But I don't know much about you, and I'm sure uh, some of our audience does not either. Let's start, you know, how did you get involved in the Libertarian Party, and what, what have you – I know you ran for office. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, good morning, Chris, and thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, I, I first got involved uh, and well, discovered what libertarian meant in 2008, uh, back during that presidential cycle. And I had plenty of the Republican wars and just couldn't get behind any of the Democrat spending and you know all of their other plans. So I started looking elsewhere and kind of through just office uh, office conversations, discovered what the word libertarian meant. And then once I had something to Google, it kind of uh, <laughs> went from there. Uh, I've, I guess I officially got involved locally in the party in 2013 and have been, um, you know, active since uh, at the county and state level. And, uh, and and then finally, last year in 2020, I uh, ran for U.S. Congress uh, here in Houston and Houston area against uh, the uh, red flag laws loving uh, Dan Crenshaw. Oh, really? OK. <laughs> yeah. So that's uh, that his. uh his infamy kind of promoted, uh, you know, what I was doing a little bit because I was the only one on the ticket who, who didn't support gun control, and you know, he he and the uh, Democrat obviously both did. So I thought I Dan able- Crenshaw was a libertarian. How dare you, Elliot? <laughs> yeah, he, uh, th- he he certainly likes to present himself that way. But then if you if you actually watch his uh, voting record and and the things he says when he's he's not exactly on script, then you pretty quickly discover he's he's pretty rudderless and just wants to be in power. That makes a lot of sense. Well, it's great, uh, great to to make your acquaintance here on the program. Before we move on, I uh, have my uh, script because I script everything, even after twenty years of being a radio broadcaster. I I can't uh, not have a script because I'm too ADD. And uh, before we start and talk about Libertarian Day of Service, I want to thank all of the members of Wall Plus. And you guys are the reason. I uh, On this new history show, I just had to ship off $600 worth of equipment to Matt to make him look good and sound good. Trisha's on a mic that patrons bought. Um, and you guys just really make this network uh, sing, look good, sound good, sound professional. And I want to thank you guys so much for that. You know, that $600 expense this month. 
was paid for by patrons and it wasn't me calling jason doolittle and christy avery going hey can i borrow like four hundred dollars like i had to in the old days or paying out of my own pocket i mean we've put a lot of uh, you know now that i have a girlfriend and it's just you know the the budget isn't what it used to be because she's like why are you spending six hundred dollars on microphones um so i want to thank all of the patrons for making that possible making this network thrive uh you know making all of it look and sound great and uh help us reach new territory and i want to especially thank our 100 dollars a month members john pusillo casey feldposh my associate producer is being very loud so uh hold on <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> so, it live. Yes, well, it's, this is live live here. Lars Nordskog, Jake Edel, Matthew Durbin, Jeff Bennett, Reinhold, Christy Avery, and Jason Doolittle. Thank you to every Wall Plus subscriber for keeping the We Are Libertarians podcast network thriving. So we are talking today about the Libertarian Day of Service because this obviously fits in great with a lot of what we are talking about. And I wanted to uh, promote this because I want our listeners to get involved in their local area and uh, give you a template of how to do that. So, Elliot, who is behind the National Libertarian Day of Service? Uh, So it's actually a political action committee uh, called People for Liberty. And uh, they were founded uh, during the Jorgensen campaign when there was a lot of new uh, actual actually female interest in the Libertarian Party. And there was an excitement to that, uh, you know, behind that campaign. And uh, they formed as a way to not only promote uh, Dr. Jorgensen, but also uh, other down uh, down ballot Libertarian candidates. Uh, The founder uh, is uh, Lauren Postler. She's uh, actually from here in uh, Houston. And I met her through uh, through my wife, Liz. Uh, so that's how I, I got involved with this. Yeah, it looks like you're, you brought up their website there. Uh, the URL for their website, if you want to learn more about them, is people, the number number four, and then liberty.org. And right now they're promoting uh, the National Libertarian Day of Service, as, as you mentioned. I didn't hear about this until about a week and a half ago. But as soon as I did, I, I knew it uh, was something that I wanted to get involved with. You might remember last summer's, uh, um, what did they do? The... Um, the let her speak uh, caravan campaign that happened across the U.S. That was that was originally uh, founded uh, by uh, Casey Daly and he- heavily um, amplified by the People for Liberty organization. And the mentality behind that is let's come up with an idea that's easy to replicate and that anyone can do in their own home and give them all the tools and branding they need to you know to be successful and help market it. And then we have a, a, suddenly a nationwide presence. Uh, for what we're trying to accomplish. So uh, that being said, uh, I just wanted to make sure that we had something uh, set up in Houston. Uh, so I organized a, uh, um, as many of you may know, Houston is the Bayou City. So I thought what what would be more iconic than doing a Bayou cleanup? So we're going to have volunteers show up with trash bags and gloves and uh, pick up trash along the Bayou in Houston. That's excellent. Um, there is also a Facebook group that people can join if uh, you want to, some ideas we were going to have casey on today but she uh we got the dates mixed up i think that was my fault and uh she is out in the woods so she couldn't be with us but casey daly is a a great organizer of this you can go to facebook and look up national libertarian day of service there's already 3600 folks in there they've got some t-shirts that you can uh fund tons of great ideas so you can uh, check that out. You know, there's Spike getting in on it, Spike Cohen, and uh, you know, 
promoting uh, across the board different ideas and, and folks who are doing stuff in their local area, including our own Chris Galt, one of the co-founders of the podcast, is putting something together in Morgan County, Indiana, which he was supposed to be here to promote, but he has apparently slept in along with Harry. It's so hard not being a professional podcast. Um, <laughs> let's talk about why this is important, and, and we'll go around the horn. We'll, we'll start with Trisha. Why is it important to not just to serve, but also to be seen serving in your community? Well, I think, number one, that's a great way to get, uh, you know, seen as a libertarian because, you know, you're pushed out of everything else on purpose by the two major parties. So, um, you know, charity is always a good way to do that. But beyond that, um, the fact that we libertarians a lot of times are seen as really cold people who don't want to pay taxes and don't want to help anybody. And it, we all know that's simply not true. But when you put that into action in your community, then people can understand. And I think it changes a lot of minds. Um, there's a lot of great or liberty organizations that do that. Um, and I myself being a voluntarist, to me, that doesn't mean that... Um, you know, I just want people to leave me alone. It also means that I'm going to voluntarily make my community a better place. So kudos on what you guys are doing. That's awesome. I'm going to check it out. I do know some other local organizations too, but I don't think we have one here in Medina. So I think I'm going to reach out to our county for that. Reinhold? Um, I think so. I've always been on um, the side that we should be out there living and doing what we say should be done. So in libertarianism, we talk about how we don't need the government taking care of people because we can take care of them ourselves. We can do it without being forced to do it. We do it voluntarily. And when you try to talk to people about libertarianism and moving away from that government force doing it to the communities doing it, the people doing it, a lot of people get scared and a lot of people don't understand it because they're just not used to that, seeing that happen and seeing what it looks like in place. And by going out and doing it, you, you can show that you can you can prove to people that your ideas work. And then once you can prove to people that your ideas are viable and better, they're more likely to elect you and get you in the office to make those changes, to make that happen locally. And the even the best part about the whole thing is that we don't need to wait for anybody's permission. We don't need to wait for the government to to vote it in. We're going to do this. We don't need to have anybody other than ourselves, just go out and do it. We can do it now. We don't have to wait, right? So I, I, I'm always for getting out, doing the work, showing that we don't need those government programs because we can do it ourselves. And the proof is in the pudding, as it were. Elliot, why are, why are you doing this? What, is, what are your motivations? Uh, well, well, something I learned uh, just long ago, you know, no matter what organization you're a part of, people are going to associate that with you in the way you act. So if you're not living your principles, then you're doing what you're trying to accomplish a disservice. And we want libertarians to win. We want uh, voluntarism. You know, Trisha hit the nail on the head. We want that to be the way, the way we solve uh, our problems. And if we're not out there setting an example, inspiring others to join us, then we're not doing our job to effectively grow the organization. So um, our, our, you know, our event specifically is the uh, Bayou Cleanup, but we're also having a, a can drive associated with that, too. So it doesn't only help the people who happen to live along the bayou and see trash, but also um, the can drive we're donating to the Houston Food Bank. And that's an organization that um, that I've, I've volunteered a lot with over the last year, especially um, during all of the job losses associated with COVID. You know, we've had, um, you know, the, the food bank has had 
you know, miles long uh, lines of people that are just can't feed their families and have to show up and, you know, hope that there's been enough food donated. And, you know, that, that's the kind of stuff where if, if we're not out there doing and helping that, then we really have no right saying that we as libertarians have a better way to do things. Like we have to be out there. We have to show our compassion because otherwise we're just going to let the stereotypes that are incorrect define us. And I'm, I'm not willing to do that. Let's talk a little bit about that because, uh, Trishy, I think the the view of Ayn Rand individualism and selfishness and, you know, libertarians <laughs> are hard hearted bastards who just are cap- greedy capitalists who only want to enrich themselves on the back of the little guy. I think we lost your audio there. Yeah, I'm losing your oh, audio. That's weird. OK, can you yep. hear me now? Yeah, yep. yes, that, that libertarians are just like the hard hearted capitalists who just want to get rich and just want to enrich themselves on the back of the little guy. They're basically modern-day colonialists. I mean, answer that. Defend your position, please. Yes. Well, I am a fan of, of objectivism, although I'm, I'm not technically All right. Thank you for joining us here on the show today, <laughs> Trisha. It's been so great having you. <laughs> However, I don't want to get into the semantics of that. But um, the thing is that, you know, those stereotypes actually belong more in, with um, – the government than they do with voluntarists. Um, so, uh, you know, just like Elliot said, we have to live that and be that. And whenever you use government, um, it's always the worst when, you know, you have lots of money stolen from lots of people and filtered through this big bureaucracy. It comes down to not going to the right places. People get way less, a worse product, whether, whether it comes to, you know, welfare programs, entitlement programs, or anything like that. Whereas like, um, what they're doing with uh, Libertarian Day of Service or like what We Do Better or um, Liberty Memes, they're, what they're doing is directly taking the funds that have been allocated to, from private people, voluntarily giving it, and it goes straight to that person with low overhead. Um, so Libertarian um, uh, charity and service is actually much more... Um, What's the word I'm looking for? It's much more streamlined. It's a better way of charity. I don't necessarily think stealing from somebody is charitable. It's very easy for politicians to stand and pontificate, but they don't really pull anything out of their own pocket. They're pulling it from yours. And so libertarian charity is by far the best form of charity because it actually is. Reinhold, what do you want to add to that? Um, just a voluntary action. I mean, when you have the government involved in it, they're going to take their cut, right? It's a middleman in the, in the position, um, making sure that that money gets diverted to other things that they want to do too. Right. So all you're doing with government is authorizing who's going to point the guns in which direction in order to take certain, the wealth from certain people, whether they need it or not. And the, the one thing that kind of gets me on that uh, an explanation of that is that what happens to the people who are at the borderline, the people who are just getting by, who are struggling to get through life and they have something happen to them, right? That's not of their own fault. And now they need, now they're like trying to make the bills, but they're also trying to fix the problems that they, that had happened to them. Like, you know, car broke down or an illness or something like that. Now they end up struggling and needing help themselves. If we were to take away taxation on those people, and there's so many different ways that we tax people in order to take that money to to supposedly help other people. If we can 
lower or eliminate that and ease that burden on them, then they can decide when they want to be able to help or when they can help. And also when they can't, when they say they need to help themselves and it gives the individual the power, it gives the individual the ability to, to live their lives and maintain a, a better situation and not fall to needing help as much. We would have, I think we would have less poverty by that, by, by not, forcing people into those decisions that they shouldn't have to have make. Ellie, you mentioned the lockdowns and the last year of COVID. I mean, it's not just government action. I mean, there there was job loss because of people making different choices because of their safety, but, you know, government action plays a huge role in it. I mean, if you look at Indianapolis, we've been open and, you know, you're in Texas, so I'm sure it's largely the same, like, our life hasn't been all that different in terms of government interference since July of last year. But if you're in Philadelphia, if you're in California, like our friend Jeff Bennett, who runs uh, an ice cream, ampersand ice cream in Fresno, um, your life is wildly, it has been interfered with and jobs are, are at a premium right now because of that. And that's put a lot of those people on the margins before even further into it. You've seen the food lines, 300% increase to suicide hotlines locally, you know, a doubling, if not quadrupling of need for food at the local food bank here in Indianapolis. Um, what are some ways that, and anybody jump in on this, but I'm going to ask Elliot specifically, uh, that you've seen libertarians jump in to help fight for the those people on the margins and help with uh, a, a private response i mean have you seen anything locally there in texas have you participated in anything and trisha talk about some of those groups that you mentioned earlier that are doing some of that after elliot's done well um contrary to popular belief uh, the republican governor of texas did do some significant shutdowns um and uh, the the main issue is that you know the donors and voters, you know, supporting base of these politicians are largely white collar workers who can work from home and remotely and have that luxury. But, you know, the the service industry, the vast majority of blue collar workers, like they just got the shaft of all of these shutdowns. And when you have the government deeming who's who's a necessary job and what's not, uh, that's just completely wrong. And one thing that I made, um, well, obviously, COVID was, you know, front and center uh, during my uh, congressional campaign last year, one thing that I made really clear is, you know, people need to take the people need to take the uh, the virus seriously and all of the you know damaging effects it has. But business owners and their own decision making need need to lead the way for that. Um, if you are going to employ people and put them at risk, you need to make uh, uh, safety accommodations for uh, for your employees and your patron your patrons, and. If not, you need to be held financially liable for being a super spreader or something to that effect. That way, the market uh, can uh, incentivize people to do the right thing, and you don't politicize something that everyone should be taking seriously and draw you know draw lines in the sand. Um, regarding uh, going back to the you know voluntarism and um, you know helping people out with charity, uh, the government has been the biggest enabler in history of the bystander effect. People see an issue and they think, oh, that's the government's job, so I'm not going to worry about it. But the pure raw number of people who see and acknowledge problems that we have in our own society and communities, if they just lifted more of a finger to help out and didn't assume the government was going to take care of it, we could solve a lot of this a lot more, with a lot more effective use of resources. And you give the satisfaction and responsibility of people taking care of their own communities, strengthening those bonds. 
So I, th- I think that's something that's really been lost by the wayside with with the overbearing amount of government, you know, quote unquote assistance and help uh, to solve these kinds of problems. Yeah. And let me jump in before Trisha responds. I mean, the I hosted a public affairs program locally um, called Now Hear This. There's a podcast feed of it. I've put some of the more relevant ones in the uh, Chris Bangle feed. But you know, talking to nonprofits for a straight year, um, and I've, I've since stopped doing that show to focus on other projects, but um, you, you see, even when it was uh, human contact had to be limited, you saw uh, an innovation in the nonprofit sector in this town that it, you know, you like the, um, the guys at, I think it's nine. I'm going to get it wrong, so I'm just not even going to say it. But their, their their charity was basically taking cycling to schools and teaching kids about riding bicycles and health. And, you know, uh, they basically couldn't go to schools and they had to completely change up their business model. And they have all these trailers, so they started doing food deliveries for schools and helping the schools that they partner with to go out. And, you know, they that is a great example of an immediate pivot. Now, when you look at the the ability of a local bureaucracy to pivot it's it's like turning around the titanic but these nonprofits and mutual aid societies can pivot very quickly in the face of all of this and um make a make a pivot that really helps folks and if you go and listen to some of those episodes on now hear this you'll see if you're one of the folks who thinks that government helped i mean i just say like the best they could do was 2000 bucks you know, and that took months of negotiations to send you some aid. If, if in terms of protecting your health, they did a very poor job in America. <laughs> so, it, it is it is really up to the individual to protect themselves, their family, and uh, make sure that you're saving for times of strife. And for those who are on the margins, private charity can and will step up. And like I said, Gleaners, the big food bank here, had four times the surge at some points. They never wanted for food. They, there wasn't one point where the local food banks went without food because even though places like Meyer and Walmart were being hit by people panic shopping, they still had enough to feed the food banks and get that distribution out there. So private charity can really be instrumental in these periods. Trisha, go ahead. Yeah. And also just real quick to piggyback on what you said about private food banks. There are a lot of them, especially run by um, religious organizations that don't require income verification. So if you are on that edge where, well, maybe I made $50,000 last year and I lost my job and all my savings is gone. Well, you should still be able to eat, you know, just because you happen to make something last year. So I think that's something that government usually uses income verification. And it's only for a certain, you know, uh, poverty level. But, um, So as far as private libertarian um, organizations, um, and one's not necessarily libertarian, but there's four that are always on my heart. Um, Unfortunately, this year was hard for me, so I had to stop being a patron, but I hope to um, go back. Um, It's called We Do Better. I don't know if you know Dan Johnson, but he runs it. He's a libertarian. What he does is um, reallocates government funds. He found a loophole that would go to government programs and he gets to put them into private charity. So he helps people took a lot of work for them to do that. Um, and you know, there's a lot of laws and things he needed to know, but it's an awesome organization. They could go to somebody that has addiction problems and send them somewhere that's private, not government run, and they're going to get better help immediately. Um, so that's a really cool, it's called we do better and you can find them anywhere, but, um, we do better.org. Um, then, 
I would say one of my new favorite ones is Liberty Memes. Um, they're, they've got their $5 club. Uh, David Gay is the founder of that. I know David and Peter Gay are the um, Liberty Memes guys. And they started just having a meme page. But now, I believe, all together with the GoFundMes that they've helped participate in or start, I think, are they, aren't they up to almost $2 million? Oh, wow. When we talked to David, we did an interview. So it was Christmas weekend. Um, We aired an interview with the Liberty Memes uh, with uh, David about that. Uh, And so go and check out what they were doing. They were at a million at that point. So they're already up to two. And some people were, you know, how people will poke at any type of charity or. (laughs) It doesn't (laughs) matter. Elliot, you can (laughs) respond here if you'd like. It doesn't matter what any libertarian does. It's never going to be good enough. Like we're all going to, you know, every libertarian who does anything, any, it's not libertarians. If you're a human being that does anything and you live in the world in any way, like you stay at home, you're going to get criticized. If you go out, you're going to get criticized. If you do charity, you're going to get like. Ignore the criticism. <laughs> like, it's just crazy how we uh, we nitpick at everything. Like Liberty Memes does great work, and everybody just I see the pick on them. I'm just like, come on. Yeah. I actually got to meet David. Uh, he and I both uh, spoke for an opening uh, speech that Spike did here in the Houston area. And uh, at an after event, he was telling me about the uh, the five dollar club. So I went ahead and joined it, and I've been part of that as well. Great. Yeah, I am. Uh, the We Are Libertarians Network is, and uh, they are patrons of We Are Libertarians. We love Liberty Memes. Go check out the Liberty Memes $5 Club. Yes, awesome. Can yeah. I add on? Yeah, yeah, please. Okay. Anybody anybody, jump in here. <laughs> okay, Um. so then another great one, which isn't necessarily libertarian at all, but it really um, is a libertarian idea, and that is um, the Innocence Project. Uh, I think it's ridiculous that we live in this country and that people are put behind bars with poor prosecution, they're innocent, they face the death penalty, and nobody cares, and they don't have representation. That is, that's not the way a civilized society should run. And here in the United States, you know, we have the largest prison population in the world. It's a pretty weird price to pay to be free, I think. Um, And so that's a big one on my heart. You can do, like, you know, join locally, there's nationally, there's state organizations. And then the last one, which I've raised a lot of funds for in the past through different organizations, um, voluntary organizations is, uh, save the children, Yemen, the Yemen chapter. It's difficult because, uh, some of save the children, uh, they're large organizations. Some people wouldn't like it. People that are on the board, but the fact is that it's very difficult to get into Yemen. I don't know if any of you are familiar with the crisis there. Um, there is a genocide right now and America has blood on their hands. Um, and so in order to get in there, you need somebody that's been there longstanding and that Save the Children is pretty much one of the only ones that can work with the United Nations to get in there. Um, they get clean water and medicine to children that are dying of diseases that you actually, you don't need to die of. And so that one is a close one to my heart. I've raised money for that for years. Um, and you can go right there to Save the Children slash Yemen. Another thing you can do if you don't have any money right now, maybe you had a bad year. <laughs> I know that feeling. Man, if you've got a platform, use it, you know, share the links. Don't share them, you know, on the main thing, but tell your friends about it. Make them aware of the crisis that's going on out there because, you know, $25 can get a, a safe water kit to a child and save save a child's life. So, um, and to me, that's probably the most libertarian thing we can do because um, we don't have a lot of control over foreign wars because we don't hold any power here in the United States as elected officials. But what we can do is at least try to help what our country is doing and do the opposite. So, Feel free. Reinhold, do you want to add anything? 
Uh, just wanted to bring up. So the the other problem we have is that when we try to do these charities, government sees the competition and likes to slap it down. So how many times have we seen stories about people trying to give food to food banks or trying to give food to people pouring bleach on violating? Them. Yeah, yeah, they're violating laws. The the government's pouring bleach on the food. It's it's insane how much they want to protect that little power grab that they have because they know that that's how they base everything that they do on by saying, Hey, we're help. We need your money for taxation to help the underprivileged and help the people who need it. But they're really funneling a lot of it to big business, to gov to uh, wars, all the other things that we don't want them doing. So by focusing on the charities themselves and giving to them to the point where if we, if we could just get to the point where they don't need any government assistance to help, the people who need the help, then those government programs are useless. We can get rid of them. Then what power does the government have really um, to gaslight people into supporting their increases, ever increasing power? You know, that's, that's how you battle it. And uh, I know one of the things I see for charity that I'm a big fan of uh, since we, we want to go down that path is uh, mentoring programs. I'm real big on mentoring programs because there's so many people. We've destroyed so many communities in this country uh, through just horrible government action um, that's really designed to destroy those communities uh, between the drug war and the Jew new Jim Crow laws and all that stuff that, that are going on. We need to reach those people and try to help them so that they can break free of that cycle that they're put on um, just by the the mindless action of the government. Yeah, one one right. example here locally is the Starfish Initiative, and it's got funding from many different corporations, and it's it's well funded. And basically, they they take somebody from, you know, like a, a Reinhold from rural America, older white male, and pairs them with maybe a younger black female, or um, like a cross cultural connection. And the goal is basically to help, um, you know low-income families who don't have a history of uh, collegiate attendance, they pair them with somebody to help them. Uh, you know, they're in middle school and they have a track towards college. And the goal is basically to help them um, navigate filling out applications. What is the SAT? What is the the road to college? What does that look like? Because people in their family don't have that background. And it's like a, a core piece of knowledge that I think you know, my family took for granted. My mom went to college. Well, my dad went to college, but like that was like my early college days, like C's and F's. Uh, but, you know, but there was still an awareness of how to fill out a college application because everybody in my family had gone to college. Lower income families in poor neighborhoods don't often have that uh, ability to give that skill to to folks and you you take a look at any of the mentoring programs that i talk to in that now here this feed and it is changing lives you know not you know, boys and girls club of america and uh, all these different groups that do such a great job of being a lifeline for kids that are in um, tough situations you know i have a friend who was uh, a big sister and that connection, uh, actually, she's a former co-host of the podcast. She's a big sister. And that is a lifelong friendship with uh, a girl that the family didn't totally know that the girl needed 
some assistance in certain ways. And through that friendship, through that mentoring, that girl, her, the trajectory of her life has changed. And so is the trajectory of my friend. So, you know, mentoring, I think you're totally right. It is such a, there's so many great programs out there that connect different people in different ways, cross-culturally. And that just completely makes us stronger. It makes the society, the fabric of our local community stronger and our society as a whole stronger. So, uh, totally, yeah. totally agree with you, Reinhold. And I was the we we forgot to mention Rupert's kids. Which oh is yeah, great, cannot uh, forget charity. Rupert. Yeah, yeah, Rupert. Rupert and, is a mentor who takes folks, uh, you know, kids who are in their late teens, early twenties, who have been in the system their entire lives. You you get out of a juvenile program and you graduate from a, your stay at the county jail with one hundred and fifty dollars a week in payments. And you can't get a job because you you have now a criminal record and you're a young person, so you don't have any income anyways, even if you were from an affluent family. Well, now what do you do to pay that $150 fee? You, you go back to the life that made you money. And you've probably got some training from better criminals during your stay in jail. So we, we set people up for failure as they're leaving the criminal justice system. And what Rupert's Kids does is set them up with the dignity of work and getting them, uh, helping them pay their bills and being a safety net for folks. You know, it, it, we don't need the welfare state that we have in this country is predatory and is not actually saving many people. It is continuing dependence. And, uh, there is a great book by, uh, uh, Elizabeth Hinton, and I'm going to look this up right now. She's a historian, who wrote a book. She is a Yale professor of studies of women, gender, and sexuality. So this is not like revisionist right-leaning history. It is from the war on poverty to the war on crime. And in this book, she basically takes you from the, the beginning of the, the, you know, the great society and LBJ's plans and into the drug war and how that has systematically destroyed communities of color and not for nothing anybody who's ever read the robert caro books on lbj the man was a southern segregationist until he became vice president why would we think that he would be the architect of the great society that would protect communities of color and minorities i mean he he was not a great man by any stretch of the imagination he was actually a fairly uh dog crap piece of human being um anyways back to service so, uh, anything that either Elliot or Trisha you'd like to add? Um, I would speak to that to welfare because a lot of people, you know, as Elliot was saying, that um, somebody should do something. Attitude. Well, maybe that should be you. <laughs> um, and so, welfare. If I, I can't remember who said it or where this quote was from, you probably know, Chris. Um, if welfare works, we wouldn't have it anymore. But welfare begets more welfare, it, it, and it's. It, it's designed to do such. So what we need to do is um, use charity to help people get out of those situations that they're in. And that's not even necessarily, you know, people that need financial help. You were talking about mentoring programs or people that are um, using drugs. Instead of locking them in a cage, let's figure out how they can become clean, you know, and and change their lives that way. Also, um, programs that help people out of prison People out of prison, their sentence, they didn't serve their time. They'll serve it till they die. Because once you get out and you have a felony on your record, you've still got an, a 
uh, chain on your ankle for the rest of your life. And it's very hard to overcome that. So I, I think we as libertarians could show the opposite of what government does um, and fix some of what they do. I think that would be just a shining example. And then it also leads people to ask questions, which means, you know, come on over to the free side. So, well, I, you know, when you talk to Rupert and you talk to some of these other charities, they just ask for money. Now they don't want volunteers. They want money because, so they can hire staff because staff is reliable and dependable. Um, and money isn't an ever shortening supply in a system where your currency is inflated. Um, but when you talk to folks uh, uh, who run charities, a lot of volunteers show up for the selfie and they come one time or they go to a training and then they flake. And I'm like, it's guilty that like, I, I love to start things and then get involved. And then like six months later, I'm like, you know, uh, volunteers are, uh, you constantly have to be recruiting them because people in this day and age don't want to put in the work. And if libertarians can be the backbone of service, in this country and proving that private charity works, it makes everyone who believes in government assistance more comfortable with giving that up. We have to be the change. There is, there's no other path. You can't argue that we need to remove the welfare state and never serve because it means that you don't have credibility to folks. So this is a, a, a key piece. This is why we wanted to feature it today. Uh, Elliot, anything you want to add before we promote the Libertarian Day of Service and and uh, wrap up here? Sure. Um, one thing I, I, w- I want to ask people listening today is you don't need permission to do this on your own in your area. You can organize it right now. May 1st is about two weeks away, so you've got time to put it together. Make an event that people can follow and share. Um, and come up and when you're trying to decide what to do, uh, come up with something where, like, you know, Chris was saying, you don't need to have a set amount of people. I, I know in some cases, like uh, for the food bank here in Houston, you need to schedule an appointment and have a certain amount of people. Uh, same for the Habitat for Humanity. You have to pre-schedule all these people and hope that they show up. We're, what we're doing is a cleanup and a can drive. It doesn't matter how many people are able to make it. And it doesn't matter, you know, what time they arrive. We're going to be progressing our way along the bayou and and. You know, people, if they show up late, they can meet us halfway along or, you know, if, if they can't can't do the fiscal thing, they can still uh, man the, uh, the table where we're uh, rallying to collect the cans, uh, you know, for the food drive. So, you know, those kind of ideas, just think of something that is unique and um, and would benefit your city or, or your community and just go ahead and get it doesn't matter if you have, you know, four or five people show up as long as you're out there doing it. Um, just it's it's doing nothing but building uh, goodwill for what we're trying to accomplish. And also it's, it helps you do, as I was saying earlier, live the principles that you're talking about and that you're promoting. If you're setting that example and you're actually doing it, people take a lot more notice because talk is cheap. So just, uh, just keep that in mind. And hopefully this inspires you to do something in your own community. Absolutely. All right. So if you want to set up a libertarian day of service and and you you can just do it, you don't need to, you know, necessarily contact anyone. But Elliot, if somebody wants to set something up, uh, how do they go about that and connect with the the organization that you mentioned earlier? The uh, the Facebook group for People for Liberty uh, has a discussion page. Um, I, can you do you have the ability to share that URL on the uh, screen? Here? Yes, uh, and we're going to be mature when we say this, but it's <laughs> NLDOS. So uh, that is their acronym. If, if Trisha, anything, stop giggling. Remember Nildos. So. Nildos <laughs> is the the acronym, which is. 
partially, I don't know if somebody didn't like Trisha, Andrew Bowman, and I. We we are the most immature people on the planet. So when I saw Nildos, I was like, <laughs> and Trisha was like, <laughs> so so yeah, that is. Uh, face- well, ho- hopefully, we can we can make that humor uh, allow people to remember it more easily. Yes. That's what I'm saying. You knew what you were doing. <laughs> Uh, exactly that's what we'll go with uh yeah it is facebook.com slash groups slash nildos <laughs> n-l-d-o-s n-l-d-o-s people for liberty.org people the number for liberty.org slash nildos and on top of that if somebody has already organized one in your area you can see all of them as they're posted there if you scroll down a little bit you can actually see the event i made i saw it when you were scrolling earlier it's the one with the three photos across the top on the banner um there it is right okay. there just blows bike and, and his wife yep so here there's a facebook uh this uh yeah national libertarian day of service parentheses houston bayou cleanup so uh, go check that out and yeah, get in touch with your folks. I mean, when you talk about vehicles for social organization, we've talked about this on the show in the past. If you're new to a town, how do you meet people? It's impossible if you're in your 30s, you know, if your kids are homeschooled and you're not religious and you're not political, then where the heck are you going to meet people? Uh, so, you know, Libertarian Party groups can be a great vehicle for social organization and getting things launched, so make sure you check that out. Uh, let's go around the horn. Final thoughts for this episode. Reinhold, you started off and show these newbies how it works. Well, you're going to have to turn yourself on. At least we have we never have guests. This is the way. And this is why, anyway. because we just embarrass ourselves in front of the new people. Well, you know... Um, we have to have, we have to have one moment of that, or it's just not, you know, keeping with the theme of, of the exactly reality right. of the show. Um, but as I've said before, I think that, that, uh, action like this, that libertarians should be taking is the best way to get our message out. I mean, going on Twitter, going on Facebook, social media stuff, that's not going to be the, the key. The key is going out there and doing the work and helping people and showing that we're serious about this stuff and proving that it works to people. Once you prove to people that it works, they're more inclined to give you a chance in helping other situations as well. So um, that's how you, that's how you make a change in the world. You go out and make it. So that's, that's my thoughts on it. Um, And that's pretty much it. Trisha, final thoughts and shameless self-promotion. Yes. Um, hey, if you don't know me, follow me. No. Um, <laughs> as far as charity goes, uh, it, uh, you know, talk is cheap. So maybe if you just dedicated 10% of the time you did screaming taxation is theft at people and, you know, promoted a charity or looked into it or actually went out and did something, you probably find it, number one, a lot more satisfying. Um, you find that libertarians really aren't obnoxious when you meet them in person. I've come to know that. Let, 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 let me interrupt your, <laughs> let me just say that. Yeah. Elliot's going, eh, <laughs> I, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm just me. Okay. Um, let me just say that Facebook libertarians are different than real life libertarians. And you cannot judge the libertarian party and its people by Twitter and Facebook and the constant arguments. And when you go to a libertarian convention, you have a great time meeting people. It is so fun. And everybody at your local libertarian party is a great person. Your convention is like meeting old friends because you are – 
it is just really, uh, you know, I, I am uh, mostly retired from service and the Libertarian Party. Uh, because I put so much time into my broadcasting efforts here on the We Are Libertarians network, and it just doesn't leave me a lot of time. But I will say that I miss my libertarian friends, and I I was uh, out in Henry County this week in their Libertarian Party office, and it just I have so many fond memories of traveling the state. Um, I I just can't uh, I can't stress enough how great it is to get out in person, meet people, and how different it is. And the constant theme of this podcast. If there's nothing else that I ever leave you with, it is get off of social media. It's like the lead pipes in ancient Rome. It's driving you crazy. Disconnect from social media. Disconnect. Like I little, I'll post, but I unfollow my post and I never look back. And then I go and read a book. I get involved with my friends, family, community, and, and serve use that time. Like I'm able to do another podcast because I'm not hunting for memes all day on social media. Trisha will understand this. You have no idea how time consuming it is to be a meme Lord. Yeah, (laughs) I agree. It's really kind of a pathetic thing to say, but it is true. Like you you spend an inordinate (laughs) amount of time looking for good content. If you're, if you're trying to market your libertarian brand with memes. I really honestly, of all, you know, used to admin a lot of pages, whether they were LP or just, you know, anarchist page, whatever. And it took so much time. And, I, you know, I'm not going to lie, I still get joy from memes, but it's just like, what a waste of time. Um, I, I much rather enjoy like, you know, things like like charity, like every everything we were talking about or local meetups or voluntarist meetups um, or doing my podcast because I'm sitting and listening and, to somebody and talking to them and it's an actual person yeah. <laughs> and not somebody behind a keyboard, you know? Um, so yeah, I mean, there are a few libertarians that are just as weird in real life, but I think that's the good weird kind. They're, they're always <laughs> harmless. They're always harmless. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I sent out an update, a 45 minute episode for our patrons, just updating the state of the state because we can't really use our social media pages anymore. And so I am now dubbing this the post-meme era of We Are Libertarians. And oh. and a little bit of that is scary because that's how we've built the network was just, you know, funny content and memes and, and social media and using the organic growth to drive people back to us. And to not have the ability to do that is uh, is, is tough. Uh, but I will tell you that the, the post-meme era of We Are Libertarians is going to involve building your mind, building your community stronger, and just trying to get you to a happier place. I got a great note from uh, Ryan Lindsay. I hope he doesn't mind me saying this. Um, You know, I want to thank you for convincing me to get off of social media, stop arguing with people on the internet, get into therapy, get... Uh, get in, you know, into books, into my community. I am so much happier. I am living a great life. Trisha, you posted a status, you know, I'm outside in the sunshine at the park. Like it really enriches your life when you're not drinking the water out of these fountains every single day. And you have so much more time. Put that towards um, one or two hours a week in your community at a you know, whether it's a daycare for uh, folks that have Alzheimer's, like Joy's House here in Indianapolis, you know, or a mentoring program, or it's one hour a week. You you will find that time if you stop scrolling and reading things from people who are less educated than you. 
Um, so I just wanted to say that. And congratulations to Ryan Lindsay. They announced that they are going to have a baby, and we are so thrilled for them. There are several We Are Libertarians folks who are in the process of spawning. And uh, Elliot, congratulations. You are one of them. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, and Trisha, you just had a little one. Uh, and we are, we are so thankful that there is, uh, well, next generation of libertarians. We don't know what's going to happen to Ryan Lindsay's baby, but I'm sending uh, him the Rush Limbaugh baby books just as a troll. So He's going to go hard right. Hard right. Hard right. Just rebel <laughs> right into, uh, Dad, have you ever heard of this Richard Spencer? He seems like a good guy. Uh, <laughs> just kidding, Ryan. Just kidding. Uh, so, Elliot, final thoughts for you. Uh, shameless self-promotion as well. Sure. Well, um, I don't want to promote myself right now. I'm, uh, I just want to promote getting involved. Um, if you have not already, if you're one of those just Internet libertarians, uh, check, check out a local meeting. Uh, f- figure out what your local affiliates are up to. I know not every uh, city or county has an organization, and maybe that's an excuse to get, start to get one going with a couple of your friends. Um, I'm not presently running for office. Uh, I, uh, Texas is uh, dragging its feet on the redistricting, uh, so I'm waiting to see how that shakes out. To make Well, a, it takes time to cheat, right? Yeah, yeah. They've, they've got to make sure that, uh, that they can maximize the disenfranchisement of voters uh, so that they can win despite only being 25% of the population. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, I'm just uh, keeping an eye on that. And uh, right now it's the legislative session in Texas. They only have it once every two years. And we have some awesome dedicated uh, LP Texas uh, volunteers who are actually showing up in Austin at the Capitol to testify on behalf uh, or against uh, certain legislations. The, uh, you know, the, the Republican primarily controlled Texas, uh, there's a lot of just gross anti-liberty social conservative stuff that they're pushing through. And, uh, we're, you know, we're trying to be the voices against that. Um, so if, if you have the capacity or ability to do that in your own area, and that's something that's invaluable, that is the closest a regular person can get to affecting legislation at the local level. And uh, so just all of these things that you can do, um, I, I know, Chris, you mentioned earlier that you you, you bur- got burnt out a little bit just from volunteering for each and everything. So don't do that. Find one thing that really motivates you and be that, you know, that guy or gal in your area who, who leads the way on that. Elliot Sherman, thank you so much for joining us. Trisha, thank you for joining us. Reinhold, uh, Galt messaged me and uh, you can look up on Facebook, the Mooresville Cleanup Day. Um, they're meeting at... 261 East South Street, Mooresville, Indiana, uh, on May 1st at 9 a.m. Pick up trash, hang out, have fun. Uh, so there's there's one here in local in, in Indianapolis that you can join if you'd like. So thank you, everybody, for joining us here on the program today. Thank you, Elliot. Thank you, Trisha. And thank you, Reinhold. Thanks for having us. And thank you, everybody. We will see you again. Make sure you go check out WeAreLibertarians.com. All kinds of great things there. Go check out HistoryOfModernPolitics.com and ChrisBengel.com. All kinds of things are happening, bubbling, percolating. And we hope that you will spread the word because that is how we are going to continue to grow this network. Thank you so much, and we will see you again next week.